0: You may be seated, guys. So glad you're in the house today. You're watching online. So glad you're with us uh, for worship today as we get into the Word. I'm thankful that we have a chance to just, again, the freedom to be able to share our hearts, to deepen our faith, and I hope that you're doing that if you're here for the first time. You know, we'll treat you so many ways. You're bound to like one of them. (laughs) I hope you'll stick around and be a part of what God is doing because he's definitely on the move next Sunday's baptism. Be sure to let us know if you're ready to be baptized, okay? Can we start with a, with a quick question by show of hands? Is it okay if we do that? You can do it at home too. It's all right. Here we go. If, if somehow, brace yourself, if somehow I could put every thought you've ever had on the big screen right now, how many of you would be embarrassed? God bless that hand. God bless that hand. The rest of you would be humiliated or arrested. So that's... <laughs> Well, let me, ask you, let me ask you another one, okay? How many of you ever been praying, reading your Bible, morning devotion time or whatever, you're reading your Bible and you're praying, and in the middle of trying to concentrate on what the Lord was saying to you or you were saying to him, some outrageous, bizarre thought just popped in your head. You said, where in the world did that come from? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, right? You know what the answer to both those questions are? Welcome to the human race. It's a reality. For those of you that are new, we're wrapping up a series today, actually, that we've been calling Breaking Free from the Seven Deadly Sins. Let's rehearse them one more time in case you don't know what they are. They are, in no particular order, pride, gluttony, greed, laziness, wrath, which is anger out of control, envy, and lust. And week by week through the series, we've been trying to get a better understanding of of what each one of those sins actually is and coming to the understanding that all of us struggle with one or more, perhaps all of those at some point in our lives. But most importantly, we've been trying to get a handle on how we can break free from the patterns and the pain that living in that sinfulness creates. The reality is that quite often we walk in these patterns, but we don't even realize we've fallen into the pattern until we pay the price for it. And then we go, oh, man, I have allowed that in my life. And now I and the people I care about am paying for it. So the the key passage has been first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let's read it one more time. Get into hearing today. I want to break it down a little bit and then we'll get into uh, the seventh of the list of seven deadly sins. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, here we go, read it with me. The only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has. Somebody say amen. Amen. But you can trust God who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But when you are tempted, he will also give you a way to escape so that you will be able to stand it. There are three truths in this passage that I wanna break down real quick so that you'll get them because they are specific truths directed to combat Satan's favorite lies on the subject of temptation. The first lie is in that first part of the verse and that lie is my circumstance is unique. I can't talk to anybody about it because no one would understand what I'm going through. I need you to understand that's a lie. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. That's a lie of Satan because everybody wrestles with temptation it's a problem as old as Adam and Eve I have temptation issues you have temptation issues all God's children got temptation issues Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet he was without sin which tells me that being tempted is not a sin got it that's number one. Lie number two is I can't take it anymore. It's just like, just, I just can't do this. It can't get any worse than this. The truth is it can and it probably will before it's over. But God knows your limits. And with, between your commitment to him and his power operating in your life, he knows what you can stand, and he's made it very clear. Everything that happens in your life, as I call it, father-filtered, he will not let anything grow through that filter that he doesn't know you can handle, you can deal with, with his grace and power. The third lie then is, is I pray, but the temptation's still there. I guess I'm a goner. I mean, I might as well give in to it because I'm never going to win this battle. And the truth is God always makes a way of escape. Say with me, God always makes a way of escape. One more time, God always makes a way of escape. Here's the catch. You actually have to take it when he offers it, okay? So what I want to do with the few minutes we have today is I want to apply these principles. Frankly, these principles apply to any one of the temptations and sins that we've been talking about throughout this series, but I want to apply them today to that seventh sin in our list, and that's the sin of lust. Pastor Andy mentioned a little bit uh, a while ago when he came out to greet you folks, uh, but in case you came in after Andy's greeting, let me just tell you now, today's message is rated pg a 13 or PG at least so if you've got somebody under that age you want to take advantage of bridge kids we certainly understand that that's your call but it's really impossible to talk about lust without talking about sexual sin. so we're going to talk about that a little bit today let's get started with a definition of lust and then we'll unpack God's escape route for it okay ready to get into it here we go lust then most common Word used in the New Testament is the Greek word epithumiae, and epithumiae literally means a desire, a craving, a longing for something that's forbidden. And so it, it not, might not be sexual in nature. Uh, Adam and Eve lusted after knowledge and power that 's why they were tempted to eat the fruit. So there may be other things, but most commonly in scripture, when you see that word epithumiae, uh it 's referring to sexual sin, and so we 're going to deal with with that today inappropriate sexual desires, like all of the other uh, of the six the other six of the deadly sins, the wages of sin is death, thank you for being awake so let 's learn uh, god 's way of escape specific to temptation and specific to this one and then I'll let you go get on about your day there's six keys to overcoming temptation again specifically this one so let's get into it okay Uh, the first key to succeeding to taking God's way out is to honor God's boundaries you have to make a decision I'm going to honor I'm going to be I'm going to live within the boundaries that God sets in his word, Psalm 119 verse 9, let's read it together. One, two, three, go. How can a person live in a pure, a pure life by what? Obeying your word. We'll talk about this in a lot more detail in a couple of weeks in the next sermon series. But for now, the big question really is, where do you get your values from? Well, you don't have to answer me out loud, but I do want you to think about it. Do, do you get your values from, uh, from Fox News? Or from MSNBC? Do you get your values from what the latest activist actor is saying? Or from what culture says? Everybody's doing it. What's the big deal? Where do you go to get your values? I submit to you that the only safe place to find values for your life is to look to the one who made you and then wrote the owner's manual for what he made. If I want to learn how to use that keyboard, I'm probably not going to ask Mark to teach me how to do the keyboard. I'm probably going to go to the guy who made it and say, did you by any chance write a book on how to do this? And he'll give me a book and he'll tell me what the features are. I wanted to go to the one who made it and get the owner's manual. And, of course, that's the Bible, the Word of God. It's the only source that's proven true across the generations. So, of course, my guess is you, would, you, you wouldn't struggle with that. The fact that you're here or you're watching online suggests to me that you agree with that. So, so what's the challenge? The challenge is actually knowing what the book says. You know, waiting for the movie to come out. So that's why earlier this year we launched the growth track uh, that's designed to help you go systematically through this process of learning what the Word of God says, laying a foundation for your life. And it starts with track one and then goes into track two and track three. It intensifies in detail as you go through those tracks. And uh, in the fall semester starts in October. You can jump in uh, at any point, but uh, we do three semesters a year. You've got two more weeks to sign up for the October semester. Uh, We have a growth track group on Monday nights, growth track group on Tuesday nights. We've got a teenage uh, growth track group going on Wednesday nights. And so these growth track groups. And there's other bridge groups available as well. But if you want to get into the Word of God in a systematic kind of way, the growth track is where we highly encourage you uh, to get in. In fact, I'll say it this way. I'll give you a money-back guarantee that if you will learn the Word of God, learn to love the Word of God, and live by the Word of God, you will never regret it. Of course, the growth track's free, so I'm not giving you much money back, but you'll still be glad you, you did. So, let's just be real clear, okay? I want, I want to be clear about this when it comes to the subject of lust and specifically inappropriate sexual desires. The Bible is clear. Sex is to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in a monogamous marital relationship. That's it. That's the bottom line read my lips sex is for marriage i got one amen and a whole lot of blank stares (laughs) honest confession over time i mean just being honest with you uh there have been times through the years when 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 this idea popped in my head jim maybe Maybe when you say those kinds of things, you're being kind of fuddy-duddy-ish, you know, you're kind of being old school and you're being kind of, you know, old-fashioned and you're being harsh and being mean-spirited. But can I tell you that every time that question has popped in my head, it's only a matter of a little bit of time before I become aware of another couple whose life is in shambles, whose kids are acting out, whose marriage is on the verge of collapse because they didn't obey God's law in the area of sex. And I always come back to, okay, God's law is true. God's boundaries were set for our purposes. Uh, and so when we deal with things, we deal with people who try to ignore God's law, or worse, try to rewrite God's law, they always end up in, in trouble. And you know what the most popular rewrite is these days? On this subject, the most popular rewrite, is, "If God is love." And God really loved me, He wouldn't want to withhold something wonderful like this from me. Uh, And you know what I got to say to that? I have a deeply spiritual, deeply theological expression for that. (laughs) How many of you have kids? How many have kids? How many love your kids? Oh, more hands went up the second time than the first time. So so do you set boundaries for your kids? Why? Because you want to take their fun away? You don't want them to enjoy their lives? Why do you set boundaries for your kids? Because you love them and you want to keep them safe. Here, here's another question. Do your kids understand the boundaries that you give them all the time? No. Do they value the boundaries that you give them all the time? No. Does that mean you're wrong? No, it doesn't. Loving parents set boundaries for their children until they're old enough and mature enough to set those boundaries for themselves and they move from parental control to holy spirit control that's the goal of every parent is to help their kids to get to that place well i hear you pastor but i just want i want my parent my kids to think of me as their friend And I want them to make up their own mind about this. Okay, but if that's the approach you take, I need you to remember two things. I'll Just be clear about this as I know how. I need you to remember two things. Number one, remember the cost that your children are going to pay for not obeying God's laws in this area. Number two, remember the regret that you're going to carry for watching them pay that price because it was easier to let them figure it out themselves than it was to set the boundaries that God's called you to set. Until then, let's make a commitment to live within the boundaries that God set because he set them out of his love for us. Got it? Do I need to unpack that one longer? We got it? Ready to move on? Number two, key number two, only applies to the married folks. Singles, pay attention to this because it'll be critical one day if you do marry, but it's still an important key, so I want to make sure we talk about it. And that is manage your marriage. Maintain your marriage. Focus on your marriage. The best insurance against sexual temptation is to keep the flame alive in your marriage. That's the bottom line. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Here we go from the North Carolina version. I always get a laugh out of that I don't know why but I do the new century version be happy with the wife you married when you're young she gives you joy as your fountain gives you water she is as lovely and graceful as a deer I can just see her now running down the hall lovely graceful torn flannel ground uh, gown curlers in her hair mud pack on her face Let her love always make you happy. Let her love always hold you captive. I kid, but I think you get the picture, right? You get the picture? Everybody got the picture? Trying to be discreet today. We're in church, but hear me. Contrary to popular opinion, God is pro-sex. It was his idea, not Hugh Hefner's. God thought it up. One of the things I love about the creation story is it says God made the land and the seas and it was good. And, and God made the, the plants and the trees and they were good. And God made the separated the light from the darkness and it was good. And He made the creatures of the sea and the animals of the land and it was good. And then He made woman and it was very good. I mean, you just, you see Adam's been naming the animals all along and, and suddenly uh, he brings Eve and, and he says, you know, I brought you this one. And so he did, he's trying to figure out what to name this animal. And he said, whoa, man. <laughs> that's, that's why you're called women. I don't know if you knew that or not, but. No, he said, Oh, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That is not how he said it, I promise you. He went, whoa, she got bones like me. Hear me, guys. Go back to to the passage, of Proverbs 5, okay? Go back to it. You see the word happy twice? Do you see it in there? Both times, it's the Hebrew word sakah, and sakah literally means to sparkle with excitement. It means to have a quiver in your liver, okay? It means to have oceans of emotions. That's what that means. The, the, the key is the, how verse 19 ends, let her love always hold you captive. Let's be honest, guys. The problem in an awful lot of marriages is that they've been, cap- they've been taken captive by the craziness of their schedules and the busyness of their lives They've been taken captive by lesser priorities. And so if they do read a verse like this or they hear a sermon like this and say, tell you what, honey, let, let's sparkle with excitement. What do you say? Well, let's see. I've checked my calendar. You see, I've, I've, got, I've got six minutes next Tuesday afternoon. We could probably sparkle for a minute there if you want to. Then. <laughs> And then we finally get to Tuesday afternoon and we're exhausted from running crazy all the time. How many of you agree with me, it's hard to sparkle when you need a nap? Come on. (laughs) Somebody said it this way, if there was more courting in marriage, there'd be fewer marriages in court. I don't know if that's (laughs) true, but what he's saying is you you need to let being captivated by your spouse be your priority. Uh, And then watch the sparkle return. You heard about Adam and Eve, the dialogue they had one time when Eve asked Adam, do you really love me, Adam? And he said, who else? (laughs) Now, I'm trying to teach you something, guys, so get this, okay? He could have said, oh, you're the only girl in the world for me, right? Right? But because he didn't say that, she began to mistrust him. So the next time he came home late, she said, where have you been? He said, well, I've been out tending the garden. And she said, okay, but let me check your ribs. How many ribs you got? What? <laughs> that one will take a minute to kind of <laughs> went over some of your heads. Bottom line is if you want to avoid the trap of lust, you got to honor God's boundaries, make a decision, I'm going to live within God's boundaries. And then you've got to maintain your marriage. You've got to stay captivated by your spouse. Ready to get on to key three? We can have a lot more fun with key two, but let's move on. <laughs> key three is you've got to manage your thought life. You've got to manage your thought life. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, temptation is the pull of our own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. So where does the battle begin? In your thoughts. In other words, whatever gets and holds your attention eventually gets your feelings which leads to actions we've talked about that during the series you've got to you've got to start here this is where you got to start say so, well yeah pastor again you're being kind of strict today by this stuff I, you know okay so I daydream a little bit everybody has a fantasy life come on it's no big deal you know it's, it's harmless who are you trying to convince you ever watched a well trained salesman at work? Have you, have you ever watched it, paid attention to their skill set? The first thing they do is they try to get you thinking well, have you seen the latest, greatest model? Have you seen the new thing that's come out? Have you have you checked Would you like to check it out? Just see it. I'm not asking you to buy anything. Just be interested in seeing what that looks like. And then they go for your feelings. They kind of slip that coat on and say, man, doesn't that feel good? But that just fits perfectly. Man, you look like a million bucks in, in that thing. Or, or, or they say, you know, uh, just sit behind the wheel of the car. Just sit there and imagine yourself going down the road. So how, how does that feel? I'll tell you what, why don't we take a test drive and see how that feels? Or, or here, just, just try a sample of this caramel praline pecan ice cream. You don't have to buy any or eat a whole cup. Just take a sample. Uh, thank you, Miss Mickey, for ruining my diet. But that, that's how it goes. I mean, you, you start by getting them thinking and then you get them feeling and then that ultimately uh, moves into actions. Before you know it with these salespeople, you're whipping out your credit card or you're signing on the dotted line and putting yourself in bondage to debt for years to come. The key is to avoid all of that by managing your thought life. Start in your thought life make a decision in advance what you're going to do and not do. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Somebody put it this way which is really direct but really honest, lust starts in the head before it gets to the bed. Hello? Understand lust is more than just simply being attracted. I mean it's human to see a nice-looking man, nice-looking woman, and for an attraction to wear up. That's the temptation. That's, it's human. We've already said there's no sin in being tempted. The problem is when you let that thought linger to become a feeling and you develop out of that a desire to possess. I would if I could. And you better be careful, guys, because we live in a culture where if you think I would if I could, we live in a culture where you can if you will. It's true. So, anytime a thought like that comes, you gotta take it captive before it becomes a feeling. Because once the thought becomes a feeling, then it becomes an action on the other side. Is this making sense? King David, you might know the story. King David looked out his window one day, looked out across the rooftops of the city around him, and he saw a lady, beautiful lady out there taking a bath uh, on, on her rooftop. I don't know why she was on her rooftop taking a bath. That's a whole other side of the story we don't have much material about. But David saw her and was attracted to her. But that's not what the prophet Nathan confronted him about later. You know what Nathan confronted him about later? He confronted David with the fact that he saw her, was attracted to her, and then he went downstairs and started plotting how he could have her. And then his, so his his thoughts became a plan because he allowed feelings to slip in. He wanted her, he desired her, and then he acted on those feelings. And that sin led to all kinds of pain, including the death of her husband and the death of the child they produced. So if you want to avoid the high cost of lust, you've got to make a commitment to honor God's boundaries. You've got to maintain your marriage, and then you've got to manage your thought life. Got it? Ted Roberts wrote a book called Pure Desire. It's a good read for anybody who wants to just really be careful about this kind of stuff, maybe some men's groups would be a great thing to do—to go through that book. I've done this in the past with men's groups before, uh, and and he just simply recommends what he calls bouncing eyes. And I picked up on that years ago. And so for many years now, if I'm driving down the road and I see a lady dressed in some kind of jogging outfit that's kind of scantily, whatever, or in a grocery store, sometimes you see people in grocery stores, you say, were were you planning to go to the beach today? I mean, is that why you're dressed like that in the grocery store? I mean, I don't see what's going on here. I just immediately, as soon as I see him in a distance, I go boing, (laughs) I just bounce my eyes right over here until we find something else to look at because I'm as human as anybody else. And so you capture those thoughts. You say, I'm not going to go down that road, which leads us to the fourth key, which is monitor your media intake. Monitor your media intake. How many of you agree with me that we live in a sex-saturated society? Can I see a hand? Can I see a hand? I see a hand. I read a study not too long ago. Michigan State University did a study, and they, they, they came to the conclusion the average teenager in America sees more than 15,000 sex acts on a screen before they turn 18. And 94% of them are people who are not married. So what's the big deal? Come on, I was just... TV, it's just a movie. So what's the big deal? Well, Jesus told us what the big deal is. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 3. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole being will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Pastor Jim paraphrased, what you see is what you think is who you become. In other words, everything you see on a screen, on a TV, on a tablet, on a computer, in a magazine, it leaves that screen and gets imprinted on this screen. And scientists tell us that we never forget anything. I forget everything these days, (laughs) like where are my keys and such. But, uh, But the truth is you don't. As soon as you get into a conversation with somebody about something that triggers a memory and you start talking about that memory, what happens? Synapses start firing before you know the details of that memory start coming back. You start thinking about things you had not thought about in years. Why? Because it's in there. It may not be in the frontal lobe that's fresh for you, but it's there. Everything you've ever put in there is still there there it's the most amazing computer ever devised because it wasn't devised by man no wonder when we're trying to concentrate on bible or prayer some idea pops in our heads we probably saw it on a screen somewhere six days six weeks six months six years six decades ago and something triggered that thought david knew the price of ignoring this long before screens were invented and so He's the one that said in Psalm 101 verse 3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. For some of you, you might want to print that verse and tape it to the top of your computer or your tablet or your TV. And again, I'm getting fuddy-duddy on you, but I did some research this week out of curiosity. <laughs> and the truth is that if you want to get serious about this, you may need to phase out 99.5% of the movies that you watch. And, and I didn't pull that number out of the air. What I learned is that 57% of movies coming out of Hollywood are rated R, which stands for raunchy. I don't know if you knew that. That's... 42.5%, making up 995 total, are rated PG-13, which means pretty gross to everybody but 13-year-olds. That's what that one means, right? That's 99.5%. That's out there. Well, The bottom line is whatever limits you draw, whatever filters you create, whatever you allow in the gate of your mind through your eyes goes directly to your soul and ultimately defines who you are. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will know what is good and pleasing to God. So the next time you're sitting in a movie theater and you realize, I've made a mistake, get up and walk out. So somebody might wonder why you left, or somebody might, you know, you might think, well, I I wasted a couple of bucks, big deal. What have you done if you profit the whole world but lose your soul? Just get up and walk out. Let me cut through this and we'll move on. Refuse to eat garbage. You know GIGO, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Key number five, I'm moving on. You gotta minimize the opportunities, to respond to temptation. You've got to minimize the opportunities for temptation. Paul told young pastor Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Jesus even told us how to do that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you see the two how-to parts in there? Do you see the two steps that you take? Step number one is watch, which means keep your guard up all the time, pay attention to the situations that trip you up, the things that you might see that you would allow into your mind that could potentially become a feeling that would become an action that you ultimately pay for, keep a guard up all the time and determine to avoid those situations. Simple, right? But then if you find yourself in one of those situations beyond your control, or you just slipped up, messed up, didn't realize what was going on until you're in the middle of it, then part two is what? Are you reading it? Part two is pray. Pray, 1 Corinthians 10. God, you, you promised me that this wouldn't be more than I could handle. You promised me a way of escape, so show me the way of escape. I'm gonna take it. So you pray. Kind of like the teenage boy that went to the student pastor and said, you know, my, 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 my girl and I, we're going too far and, and we don't really want to, but, but we can't seem to stop. I mean, we, we do okay. We go out at night, you know, and we, we go out to dinner, we go to a movie, we go hang out with some friends and everything's good until I take her home and we park. And the pastor said, well, use this verse. Come, come Matthew 26 is your verse. Keep watch for you equals don't park. That's what that means. And if the problems still persist, then take her hand and pray. And here's the prayer. Oh God, forgive us for the immorality that we're about to commit. And the boy went, well, that would just ruin everything. I know, that's the point. (laughs) St. Augustine was said to have prayed the prayer, Lord, deliver me from lust, but not yet. So the Pastor Jim paraphrase of Matthew 26, 41, avoid tempting Aries as much as you can if you find yourself there anyway. Pray. You might be familiar with Billy Graham's Modesto Manifesto, Billy Graham. Uh, Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Shea made a commitment in the early days of his ministry. Said, "We're never going to lie about numbers, exaggerate numbers. We're not going to handle the finances. We're going to have other people handle the finances. We'll take a salary from the ministry. That's it. And we're never going to be alone with a female outside of our immediate family. It's just never going to happen. We're not going to ride in a car. We're not going to get an envelope. Uh, uh, envelope." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we won't do that. Get in an elevator, which is not going to be alone. And for the next 60 years, they honored that Modesto manifesto. And and during that 60 years, Billy preached the gospel. George Beverly Shea sang the gospel. Cliff Barrows prayed the gospel to over a billion people. And all of them went to their reward without uh, being challenged in those areas. Here at the bridge, we have a hedge policy. We are never alone with a female in in an office environment. We make sure there's glass in the doors. We're just guarded by this stuff. And it's not Billy Graham wasn't afraid that he would be weak and fail. We're not afraid that we're going to fail. We're just not so arrogant as to believe it can't happen to us because it has happened to other people. And so we're guarded in those areas. We're careful in those areas. We make sure that we're not going to let those things happen. We're going to minimize the opportunity for temptation to come, which leads me to the sixth key, and I'll bring this home, is you've got to remember the cost of sin and the benefit of faithfulness. At the end of the day, if you want to avoid the high cost of giving in to sexual sin, lust, you got to remember the cost of that sin and remember the benefits of faithfulness. You've got to ask yourself at every temptation, is this worth it? Understand that every decision has, has a price. The simple truth is immorality is incredibly short-sighted. It's based in temporary gratification. When you stop and think long-term... You realize there's an enormous consequence to breaking God's law physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. There's no way that the short-term gratification that I might derive from this is worth the long-time price that I'm going to pay for this. When it comes to sexual sin, the cost is huge. From the bond that forms, the illicit bond that forms from physical intimacy that becomes hard to break later, to marriages that are destroyed, to children who suffer, to ex-lovers who commit suicide, the number two cause of death among teenagers in America, one is accident, two is suicide. And when you dig into those a lot of them are teenagers who became sexually active before they had the maturity to do it God's way and when those relationships ended they were con- as far as they were concerned their lives ended The price is huge guys So if I got to be called a fuddy-duddy to help you avoid that pain so be it If you got to be called old-fashioned by your kids to help them avoid that pain, so be it. When the Holy Spirit says you're playing with fire, remind yourself of the consequences of giving in to short-term, temporary gratification. Satan's going to say to you, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. Besides, who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. You know what he's doing? He's magnifying the short-term benefit while minimizing the long-term consequence. So you've got to do the opposite. You've got to say, okay, help me to realize how short-term this benefit is and then focus on the, the long-term benefit of being faithful before the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 12, and I'll close. Blessed is the one who perseveres under temptation. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the victor's crown. A crown specifically designed because you got victory over this thing. The life God has promised to those who love him. The results of uh, of then replacing temptation with something pure, short term is a better life, health, richer relationships, And long-term, it's these incredible rewards in heaven. Some of you familiar with the name Jim Elliott, missionary who gave his life reaching an indigenous group of people that had never heard the gospel. He's quoted as having said, he is no fool who gives the things he cannot keep to buy what he can never lose. So take God's escape route from temptation, whatever that temptation happens to be, specifically and especially in the area of lust. And you'll be so glad you did. I've got to close. But I want to speak to three groups, just very briefly. To those of you that are sitting here watching online and you're thinking, I, I needed this message 20 years ago. Before I filled my mind with garbage, before I made the choices that I'm now paying for big time, I say to you, there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There are fresh starts in Jesus Christ. He gives clean slates, fresh starts, second chances, 90 second chances if that's what you need. I challenge you to pray today before you leave this room, before you turn off your computer or your TV, pray, Lord, forgive me and give me a fresh start today. The second group I wanna speak to briefly is, is singles. Can I beg you to wait for God's best? I realize you live in a culture that says that's old fashioned, but you will avoid so many hurts and so many pains and so many problems. I could have paraded dozens of people across this stage to give their testimony, who would say to you sex outside of marriage causes problems with sex in marriage later on guilt, comparisons, mistrust, hurt. So do yourself a favor. Save yourself from those pains. And then finally, to all of us, God's boundaries are for your benefit. Don't chafe at them. Embrace them. Even if you don't understand them, lean into them because he loves you like the perfect father that he is and wants you to avoid the pain of living outside those boundaries. No temptation is more than you can bear. God will make a way of escape. You just have to take it. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for reminding us in this tender subject, perhaps controversial in some ways in our times subject, that you set those boundaries centuries ago and you knew what you were doing when you set them. That ultimately, you don't break God's laws. Breaking God's laws breaks you. And so here we are, Lord, having messed up, having blown it, having not lived within your boundaries in a host of ways, in a host of areas, saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. I'm paying the price for it, but I'm so glad that Jesus went to Calvary so long ago to pay that price. Now I can accept what he did for me on Calvary and find the power in the Holy Spirit to change. Fresh starts all around. Forgive me, give me a fresh start. For all of us, Lord, Help me to become a role model of living the way you called us to live. Let others see what a healthy, Christ-centered marriage looks like. Children growing up in a healthy, Christ-centered home looks like. Help me to be a role model of this so that people can see it and avoid the pain that Satan has designed for them. In Jesus' name.